Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, Carlos, we have a another great guest today. Special. Special guest. A special guest, yeah. An extraordinary guest. How about that? But before we get to that guest, um, let's tell the listeners what we're going to talk about today. I think there's a big game Saturday night at Michigan Stadium. And I, I, I've heard they're playing Michigan State. Have you heard anything about this? Um, a little bit, yes. Yes, I believe they're going to play at night, I want to say, under the lights. So even more dramatic, more more drama. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Michigan Michigan State game. We are not going to talk about the Lions, even though you wrote about the Lions uh, this week and about the fandom. You're trying to understand where you're living uh, after living here for 25 years, which I am. I'm I'm proud of you for that. I, I really am. I mean, better late than never. And by the way, understanding this line in the line fan base, I want you to know Dave Burkett, the great Dave Burkett, wrote a little bit about this on on his plane ride back from Dallas and how it was full of Lions fans and just the dedication they have. When the Lions were at the goal line um, and everybody thought they were about to score a touchdown, when they made the play to get down there, there was a fair amount of noise in the stadium. And this is the Cowboys stadium, right? Yeah. One of the most uh, sort of iconic fan bases in the country. And it was sort of shocking the noise that was made for those Lions fans. So, you know, it was more than just one plane load. But anyway, we know what that season is. We'll talk about that more next week. You're sick of talking about the Lions, aren't you? You know what? I And I've said this. We've talked about this a lot with the Lions fans is they have a great fan base, really dedicated, you know, gives them way more, gives the team way more support than they really deserve for the results that they Put up, but um, they travel well, and they have, you know, you and I've been on the road with them, and we've run into them in LA. There were a lot of Lions fans. Um, you know, they pick a few games that they really want to go to, and definitely the Dallas game was one. They don't get to go to Dallas very often, so they they really enjoyed it. And, and that stadium is massive; over ninety thousand, you know, fans fit in there. But um, that's one that, and Briquette wrote in the, on the flight back, it was that it was jam packed with Lions fans. So um, I'm not surprised actually by that, Sean, because I am in touch with the fan base. I'm not no, I'm you're, down well, to them you, like you do. No, and you just you, you people, just, you just showed you don't understand. You just showed you showed your that you don't. I mean, they they're I've been to Dallas six five six times for the Lions in the last ten years. So you just go to Dallas. What, to eat. What, you don't really one of those one of those one of those trips was admittedly a, a playoff game. But that just kind of shows right there what your sense of this whole thing is up here. You know what I mean? If you ha- look, I understand <laughs> it's not easy to step into somebody else's shoes and look at life from somebody else's perspective. I know that's not easy. And I appreciate that you tried to do that in your column this week. But when you say they don't get to go to Dallas very often, that mm, okay, fine, whatever. That's fine. Maybe you misspoke, just like when you thought our producer was wearing a Milwaukee Bucks cap instead of an Oregon Ducks cap. And that's fine. It was a Mighty Ducks. Maybe our guest, maybe our guest. And by the way, we're going to talk about Michigan, Michigan State. We're not going to talk about the Lions. We just did talk about the Lions. And then we're going to talk about credentialed media versus non-credentialed media. (laughs) Because I know you love that subject. And there was an interesting sort of kerfuffle out on the West Coast where one is going after the other and it's getting defensive. And it's just, it's an interesting topic. We don't need, I don't want to get into bashing those folks out there, but it's an interesting broader topic, and I know you have a lot of opinions on it. We'll want to hear your opinions on that in a final segment. But let's bring our guest in. All right, Carlos, before I blow a gasket at, at you already have you it's keep saying you keep saying stuff that's uh you know not true. All right, let's welcome in Tony Garcia, who's covering Michigan football for us, uh, and maybe Michigan basketball. I don't know if he likes basketball. Do you like to, basketball, Tony Garcia? Yes, well, thank you. I mean, 
what a bucket list item I'm checking off today on the free press sports with Carlos and Sean. My God. Um, yes, I, I love basketball. Yeah, that's the kind of enthusiasm that we love and fealty, frankly, especially Carlos. He wants you to bow down. Yes. No, he's no, he's made that clear back in our the, the few months we got to share on the lines. But yeah, no, I love basketball, um, especially especially college hoops um, in particular. So I'm looking forward to that already. Well, thanks for joining us, Tony. Let me start off with this. What's it like to have a colleague in a sports department write about sports, I guess, who doesn't really like sports and, frankly, doesn't really like people? Is that Has that been an interesting experience for you? Well, I mean, I think you've been colleagues with, uh, with that person longer. So, I mean, I would probably uh, sort of uh, try to follow your advice on how you've navigated it. But, um, no, Carlos has actually been super great to me, uh, very helpful, um, contrary to his, to his public perception, uh, he, he's, he's wonderful um, and, and doesn't hate sports or people as much as he wants people to think he does. Um, oh, look at you coming with the inside. You've only been here with us. You haven't even been with us for a year, man. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got to read the room sometimes, you know. You Tony, do. And, and maybe, student, maybe we man. can. He is a student. And maybe we could help Carlos read the room. In fact, let's have that be. Uh, a session of a podcast at some point you'll come back we'll put carlos on the couch and we'll help him sort of understand human nature how about that <laughs> okay and we'll call it read the room perfect okay read the room that's how awesome. right, you know what i give i by the way just one thing about tony is you know i'm, I'm i mean tony you've probably you probably have more bylines and how long have you been with us now uh, a little over six months it was early april so okay. six and a half yeah six and a half so you probably have more violence than sean does in his whole t- tenure at the free press but um, so you covered everything. Um, you even went to you even went to you were the the lead writer on our golf coverage. And I don't even know if Sean knows what golf is. Um, he you will find him by the way at all the college basketball games. He's already he's going to Izzo's tonight for like some kind of prep lunch or dinner. He's going to stay with Lupe. Lupe has a room already set for him in the back of the house. Um, you will see him very often college basketball season, but you will never see him at Lion or a golf and uh, Red Wings. And but Tony. One of the great things about Tony is you cannot tell what his favorite sport is. In fact, I asked him and it was hard to tell because he covers everything. Basketball. Is with like uh, uh, this, in, I don't want to say enthusiasm, but it's just, it's, it's really Enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Is, yeah, that, is that the line you're going for? Yeah, it, it's, it's impressive. <laughs> and I've told you this before, uh, but it's really cool to see that, you know, like, you know, you know, Sean doesn't like Lions because he just talks down to them. Like you fans, he doesn't like, he doesn't know where the Red Wings play actually. Um, so, you know, you can, you can sense it in his writing, but Tony, you cannot, it's just this equal level of excellence every time and, and expertise. Like, I really feel like, you know, what you're talking about. You're Tony's one of these dudes who could go into a sports bar, talk about any sport that he's seeing that's on the TV at any moment. I'd like to fake, I like to fake it. And, uh, if I've got uh, two of the best in the business fooled, then we're doing something right. Uh, Oh my god! I can't believe you just said that about Carlos. I mean, you don't you don't need to say that You're about just obsessed me. Obsessed with me? Oh my god! You don't need to you don't need to say that about me. But uh, yeah, that's really something, Tony. Um, yeah, all right. Let's let's talk about the game. Are we even going to watch the game? I mean, I I, I guess I have to watch the game. I got to be there. But look, we we had this a few years ago where they weren't quite a thirty point dog or whatever it is, but um, a twenty point dog. But but Michigan State ended up winning. I, I don't see that this year, obviously. But so, what, what do you think? What's what's uh, what's going to happen Saturday night? Let's start there. Man, we're getting right into it. Um, so, I believe they were. 
I mean, it, the line has now moved to 21 and a half, and I think that's where it closed. Uh, I'm not positive. It might have been 20 and a half in 2020. So it's very similar. But that was just such an entirely different circumstance. It was the second game of a COVID-shortened season with no fans in the first Mel Tucker. I mean, what, what Michigan State still refers to as year zero with Mel Tucker. Um, and, they, I mean, there was just no way to know sort of either way what, what was happening. Um, and, and there just was not enough knowledge about those teams. So that's how something of uh, an upset of that ilk can sort of come out of nowhere. It's so, it's so difficult to see it this year. Like if you're a Michigan State fan and you're trying to map out this path to a victory, it looks something like winning the turnover battle by two or three at least, which Michigan has not lost to, to that extent this season. Um, being the first to shut down this running game, uh, I think Mich- I think Michigan State has to dedicate numbers and numbers and numbers to the box. And if JJ beats you, so be it. You know if you don't actively stop the running game, that certainly will beat you. Now, JJ probably will too, but it's likely the lesser of the two. It's a slightly lower likelihood. Um, so, I mean, what I think happens, and then Michigan State's offense just goes three and out too, too frequently. Uh, if they moved the ball a little more and could sustain drives and you're getting three and, and – <laughs> Field goals. I mean, I guess I just walked myself into another point, uh, into another point of this game. Um, you got to something like, yes, you need touchdowns to win these games, but you need points. Michigan State's, I think it's Ben Patner, Jack Stone. One of them has like one field goal, and that's it. I mean, they, do, they don't kick field goals. They don't get points. If Michigan's on the other side of the 35, 40-ish, you're feeling pretty good that you're coming away with three. And so I just, Michigan, I didn't want to break down too many of the segments right away. I guess I did. But it's just – it's so difficult to see uh, a path to victory for Michigan State. you got to try to control the, te- the clock. Uh, they don't really have the running game that does that. You need to slow – you can't let Michigan be ahead of the sticks, which they constantly are. Um, and and you got to – the ball's got to get on the ground, which Michigan State has forced some turnovers this year. Uh, not really interceptions with very – uh, good, good schematics in the in the secondary, but but they will they will punch the ball and they will get the ball on the ground. So there might be an opportunity or two. You got to break it or you got to take advantage of it, and then you got to hit a few big plays. I mean, short of that, I I think I could I could see this one getting quite out of hand. Yeah, it's uh you know I, you know people people like Sean Windsor need to build up the hype so people read his stories. So uh, you know he wants to pretend this might be a, a cliffhanger and never. Uh, I've learned I've learned my lesson to you know ignore the records and blah blah blah. But yeah, there's no way, Tony. I mean, there's just no way. This is a different year, um, you know. And I think I think Chris Solari wrote in the Free Press that you know this is all of it's not everything, but this is about keeping their bowl hopes alive for the Spartans. I mean, that's, you know, that's what they're playing for, but they know what they're in for, you know, and they, this whole, you know, Mel Tucker, you know, is going to, I think he might be the first, he could try to be the first Spartans coach to beat, to go three, you know, against Michigan in his first, you know, whatever, in his first three games. And, you know, certainly beating Michigan at, you know, Ann Arbor again would be amazing. And Harbaugh hasn't beaten Tucker, right? I mean, that's that's an extra little motivation. <laughs> um, but you just don't see it. I mean, Michigan, Michigan just after coming off that Penn State game, you know, that was their first test, right? 
they passed it with flying colors. Uh, even though weird stuff happened in the first half, uh, they stuck with it and really pulled away. And that's that's almost like the best that Michigan State can hope for is kind of some weird thing, a turnover that keeps them in it, whatever. But everywhere right. you look, all the way down to Jake Moody, they've got better players, better an advantage, you know, every everywhere on the field, you know, playing at home. And this is, man, I mean, you know, that you got to figure that fan base. I mean, not only come the Michigan fan base, not only coming off last year's run to the CFP, but also this year they're doing it again. They're looking better than ever. There's so much more, you know, on the line, meaningful stuff on the line for them um, and a chance to really hand it. My question is, when do they take the foot off their gas? When they get to 50, are they going to go past that? I mean, where, when are they going to let up? Well, they don't in this rivalry. Neither side does. Um, I mean, I can go all the way back to, I think it's, might've been 2014 when Michigan state won 35 to 11 and they, and they pounded a Jeremy Langford touchdown in, in the final 30 seconds. And it was already a 17 point game. I mean, neither of these teams are going to let off the gas uh, when, when they have the opportunity to bludgeon the other, um, which is not super common in, in, in this, in this rivalry. Um, I guess 20, I mean, there, there have been, a, there have been a few in the last decade, but more often than not, it's last year, but really, I mean, this game for Michigan means everything it meant last year, but Michigan had never done it before last year. And yes, they even, I mean, they still lost that game and they went on to have the season, but it's sort of the proof in the pudding that they did beat Ohio state, that they did make a college football playoff, that they did win the big 10 championship and get all those monkeys off their back. Now there's just this belief um, where before, so I want to be really careful with my words. Um, Michigan always believes in itself and its fans. Certainly they always believe in themselves, but sometimes you wonder how much of it is manufactured or just, um, and I guess before it was belief, but now it kind of feels like an expectation. Um, they really think there's no circumstance where they shouldn't be 11 and 0 going into Columbus and have every shot to win that game. I know we'll talk about that game a lot when that, when that comes around. And frankly, they're right now at, the, at this point. I mean, there, there's no reason. Like you said, Carlos, Michigan has the advantage in every matchup across the board in this game. The one I could think of where Michigan State could do something is on the outside. I like Michigan State's uh, wide receivers more than Michigan's defensive backs, but it's not a two-on-two or three-on-three game. 11-on-11, when you think about what Michigan's going to do in the trenches there, it's not going to allow Michigan State to, to do what it wants. Peyton Thorne's been turning the ball over a ton this year um, from what I've seen. And, and, and Mich- Michigan's defense is just – I mean, the way we've watched them, and Sean's been with me uh, and around at Michigan uh, enough to, to have seen it as well. I mean, the levels this defense is rising, like steadily climbing. Oftentimes you hear coaches say, you know, they're getting better in practice. They're getting better every week. You can actually physically see it with Michigan, even when there was nothing to go on the first three weeks. But just for Maryland, Iowa, Indiana, Penn State, they're just they're just leveling up and they are really hitting their stride. Um, Tony, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the, the receiver matchup and the offense. And, and let's break down the you used the phrase the path earlier the possibility that this could be a somewhat competitive game, but let's, uh, let's do that after we take a break. Uh, assuming that's okay with Carlos. If you, if it's so, okay with you, Sean, you're it's, uh, you know, you're the boss. So. I mean, you're, it's the Carlos, it's the, you're, you're Carlos is the first name. I mean, I point that out every week. I probably shouldn't have to at this point. 
in any case all right let's uh take a quick break we'll be right back with free press sports with carlson show hello i'm phil friend the host and producer of spartan speak a podcast collaboration between the detroit free press and lansing state journal focusing on michigan state sports each week i'm joined by the ogs of the msu podcasting game Freak beat writer Chris Slaurie and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, Carlos, we've got uh, the great young. Let's uh, screw the young. How about just the great Tony Garcia? Oh, he is young. I mean, uh, you double our, you put our ages together, and we're like, you know, in the in the early two hundreds, I think. And uh, Tony's Tony's. I don't even know if he's thirty yet. He's a young, strapping lad who's uh, with everything in front of him in his in his career, promising career. <laughs> you guys, you guys are going to make everybody sick. Um, uh, yeah, by the way, I've met Tony's mom. Tony's mom is eating this. It's, it's just for her. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. There we go. Now you know how to really panda. Um, uh, yes, no, just a couple months, uh, left, uh, in, in the great twenties and then it's all downhill from there. Oh, you know what, Sean asked, tell me, see if you agree with this. You don't agree with anything, but maybe you'll agree with this. Turning 30 is not the big one. Turning 40 is like you, it's like, okay, there's been just stuff's happened now. <laughs> you know, like it's been 20, about 20 years of adulthood. 30, you still feel like a kid. I mean, even in your early 30s, like I I felt no difference. You know, it's just a number. But 40, it's like mm, things are feeling different. Things are, you know, more stuff has happened by that point. Um, what do you think, Sean? Well, when you turned 60, was it the same for you, Sean? Or I don't uh that's a good that's a good question carlos tony the, the thing about turning 30 to me it's it's it was psychological i finally felt like an adult when i turned 30 i mean sort of <laughs> and in 40 and 40 is is fine although 40 seems young now the problem is it's hard to remember because the older you get you're like oh my god 40 seems pretty young right Ron doesn't know how old he is for the record so <laughs> but uh but no 30 30 30 is a great one actually because you're still young you still you're still feeling pretty physically uh fit right i mean you're at the edge of your physical prime at 30 more or less uh oh you need to you need to come watch tony play softball there's no end in sight to his physical prime but if you think about (laughs) if you think about the athletes that we cover right tony i mean well you you're covering college right now but you're you're around the pro pro leagues so 30 is kind of right in the middle it's on the downslope of the prime but you're still in the prime Exactly. Like two, so, yeah, two, three yeah. more years, two, three exactly. more years of prime. But exactly. it's just, it's such a crazy concept. And God, we need to talk about Michigan football, but it's such a crazy concept just to personally be on the other end of it. Cause you're so like, when you're young, you're looking up to all the professional yeah, no, athletes. And now yeah. I'm talking to Riley Green and, and uh, Spencer Torkelson. And I'm like, you look like I looked a decade ago. 
and you're the professionals. Like, I mean, I know I'm a professional and as we all are in our own right, but like, when, when did this happen? When did this flip happen? Well, Anyways. I would say, I would say to you, you're in the sweet spot right now between where you start to understand life a little bit and um, human nature a little bit, and you still feel really, really good physically. And you've got that for another few years. So cherish them because they, uh, okay. that's that sweet spot doesn't last long. So, you know, Carlson, I would think would tell you that. I think, you know, the, when you want to really feel old is when the coaches start being younger than you, that's when it's like, Oh mm. man, like, uh, and you know what though, this is something I found in, in my career. I remember when I was, when I was younger in my twenties and stuff, and I'd look at the older writers and there was some weird, I don't know what it was confidence that they had like of asking questions and they just never seemed intimidated or shaken or whatever. And I was like, boy, is it just that they've done this a long time? Is it life experience? Is it whatever, you know? And now that, you know, like I'm in that age area, that age zone, it's, it is, it's everything. It's everything. It's you've seen it all, you know, you've life stuff and coach stuff and player stuff. And, and in a way, like, it feels like, you know, sometimes groundhog day, like, Oh, here comes this answer. And here comes this reaction. And here comes whatever, you know, but that's part of it, I think is, um, which is fun. That's the fun part about, you know, getting some, I, I just have experiences. Sean gets wisdom, you know, Sean's a wise mm. man. So. No, I don't, I don't have any wisdom at all, but that's a good, that's a good, good, uh, stop it. Not stop a point, but pivot point here. About, how about that? <laughs> it's a want to you, talk to Tony now. No, no, let's talk to Tony for a second, but about what Carl just said, he's talking about, he's seen it all experiences. Well, he clearly hasn't because he just had to write an apology column, which is <laughs> cringeworthy enough, but it, but what, but, but the idea in the column itself that somehow Harbaugh was going to lose control of the program because he flirted with the Vikings. And then he was going to lose the locker because he was of the way he handled the quarterbacks. I mean, um, I, I don't know where that wisdom is. He's talking about because that's anyway, we don't need to go down that road, but Tony, did you, I'm curious what you thought. Uh, did you, did you, I know you weren't maybe covering him quite the same way back then, but you, you were paying attention. What did you think of the court, the, the quarterback stuff? And did you worry or not worry, but did you wonder if it would derail the, the team at all? Yeah. Um, I mean, I certainly wondered before, before the season. Um, and I was there, uh, at game two, uh, or game, game three after when they, when they made it official that, uh, against Connecticut, that it was JJ going forward and, and then, and Cade got hurt and all these things. Um, I thought from the beginning that, Jim and the staff and pretty much everybody wanted JJ to win the job, but had they just handed it to him outright from, uh, from training camp or or, uh, summer practices, if you will, I guess in, in college that it might ruffle some feathers. Like like we have a senior, a guy who came to big 10 media day to represent the team. He just led us to all these things that we've wanted. We know he can do enough to get the job done, why would we rock the boat? And I think now in hindsight, uh, what I'm seeing, what Jim saw at the time, it's like, you know what, let's just put them both out there and let everybody use their eyes and see what we see. And then we'll have a merit-based argument to say, this is the guy. And it couldn't have gone better uh, for them in that regard, in that Cade really struggled and JJ just hit the ground running. And so um, yeah, my, uh, my, my small brain could not understand the idea at the time. And I thought, I thought it was creating a problem where there didn't need to be one. Um, and I, and I thought, 
I could have seen, I could have gone either way at the beginning of the team. I'm like, look, just give it to Cade or just give it to JJ. And, and don't, and don't even, cause your team is, has so many great elements to it. Don't even let that little ripple enter into the fold. Just pick one and you're probably going to be 11 and 0 either way. Um, or at least 10 and one. Um, and I thought introducing that could sort of, I mean, we've all seen how locker rooms get these factions in it. The older guys and the younger guys or this crowd and that crowd with the, whoever was in your recruiting class. And I just thought it opened them up to, to different problems and to their credit, uh, cl- clearly none, at least none that are, um, that we can see. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the thing with Harbaugh, you know, and it, it's, uh, uh, you know, the whole, he brought in the whole biblical thing. And I mean, it was, just, he, just, he just convoluted the whole thing and what, where it probably didn't need to be that complex. Um, but, uh, but it worked out and you know what, I mean, the thing is, and, and John and I, you know, we talk about this and, you know, I, I just, from a, from a professional standpoint, I, I'm sorry, Spartans fans. I love Jim Harbaugh because he just cannot help himself from giving us interesting things to write about. And Tony, you wrote my favorite thing this week about the James Franklin and the tunnel tunnel gate. Um, you know, I love his favorite. I've got bigger fish to fry, but I'm going to fry James Franklin right here. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to get out the barbecue and let's get the, let's get the sauce and the lemon dill going for Sean Windsor and the, the fish analogy. And I'm going to, I'm going to fillet James Franklin here. And you know what? Tell me what you think, because I think Franklin has a point. That tunnel's stupid. I mean, they got to do something different. And they they endow everything at Michigan. Every coach, every position, every whatever. They they have a, a tunnel at Chrysler that's endowed by somebody. It's named after somebody. Can't they build another tunnel or a separate whatever, a gate or whatever to separate the two? That's just it's just it's just begging for problems, isn't it? Well, they they just named the tunnel after Lloyd Carr last weekend. I oh, mean, you're it right. was. It was it was literally at the game. It was halftime. Like they named it, they officially named it before the game. An hour and a half later, the teams are beefing in the middle of the Lloyd Carr tunnel. And I did, mean, did Lloyd not understand he's supposed to stand there as yeah. the gatekeeper and separate the teams? <laughs> he, yeah, no, he in, in part to see. Uh, going back to the biblical <laughs> times, um, yeah, I, it's just. But I mean, honestly, who cares? Right. Like, I mean, they're not getting like, yeah, they're getting like that. That was it just gave everyone something to talk about. It gave both teams more hatred. I mean, if someone starts, if you start swinging a helmet at someone like peanut butter, uh, like Miles, like Miles Garrett or something. Yes, there were some uncrustables <laughs> getting thrown, which is just unbelievable. Um, but to and, and last year, there was a problem with Ohio State. That's sort of to be expected. But there's only been a handful of these in in all the years. I agree. There should be like a, a grace period, like a, you get 90 seconds away team to get your team off the field and out. And then Michigan is going to run out there. Um, but, but I mean, if you heard the, the reverence with which Jim Harbaugh spoke about this tunnel all week, <laughs> I mean, and I, honestly, he had like, he had some good lines. He's like, you know, like, I mean, I was here in the eighties. If you leave, you come back. So much has changed about this town. So much has changed in the world. One thing that hasn't changed is when you are a player or a coach, standing in that tunnel and maybe it's a little gimmicky or something but I, I feel he, he really truly believes that and I can only imagine I mean with how much I aspired to be an athlete and to run out of something like that someday I can imagine how much that that would mean in like the feel the feels you get 
when when you're in that tunnel. The only thing that can be better is if because I don't think there's been any real shenanigans right between Michigan State and Michigan the way it was with Dan, when Antonio was there and walking down the center of the field and all this stuff. I mean, I we we can just hope for something from t- coming right with something some some shenanigans. Yeah, I, that would be fun. I think the shenanigans come or should come when the, the when the games appear to be close. Eh, you know, I don't know. You could make the argument both ways. When they appear to be closer, that's when both teams feel like they have a shot. But also in this week, when Michigan State's like, we just got to keep punching up and no one's giving us a chance. I mean, they, they might get riled up, but the coaches do like to have their their teams dialed in and and try to avoid that as much as they can. Although I was at some Michigan press conferences this week and they were saying some things. I was just, man, like you don't, I can't like of all the times to give non-answers now is probably the time. And, uh, and you're saying, you're saying some things, but the bulletin board stuff really doesn't change anything as much as we all love to think it does. What stood out with Tony, it? Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Tony, you, you said you were aspiring athlete. I assume you played athletics in high school. Uh, you could uh, somewhat. Yes. I played you play, p- you play pickup ball before. Yeah. Yep. I have if the guy on the, the guy on the other side runs his mouth. Does that change the way you play? I mean, it fires you up a little bit. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Don't fall into the sports writer the, the trope of that. It absolutely matters. It's okay. Good. Okay. It. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, Sean. No, go ahead. I just no. Yeah. No, go no, ahead. It, Finish it, your thought. It. It does matter. It is not. It feels like a stretch to say it's the difference in because Roman Wilson this week said we know we're better. We got to do it. If Michigan State wins, I don't think it's because Roman Wilson said that on Monday. No, but you know it what can I mean? help. But it could help. It, yeah. it, just, it just does. I mean, you know they heard it. You know they heard that. Everybody in East Lansing heard that when he said it, right? They did. And did, did anybody, does anybody have Twitter fingers? Or what is it? Twitter fingers? Is that Twitter fingers. Twitter fingers. Uh, that, it, that, that is, yeah. Uh, I think that's what Mike Moore said about Penn State all week. Um, I'm sure there's. I have I haven't seen I mean really it's the fan bases that you see all, all the all the Twitter fingers for and I could I could just I feel if I could mute the words Michigan and Michigan State especially because we had to go through a bye week for 14 days and just come out on the other side well we'd all be the better for it well here's a question for Tony is I believe this is true correct if I'm wrong but I believe you grew up a big Michigan fan but you went to Michigan State I grew up in Ann Arbor yep uh, my family did have season tickets, uh, and certainly that was a big, big part of my childhood. And then I went to Michigan state undergrad and as you're forming yourself, your undergraduate does, um, sort of lend itself to having, uh, that, that sort of th- those feels and all the importance, especially in, in the years I went there from 11 to 15, but I don't want to give anyone any fodder or <laughs> any, any ammo towards me. Like people, like people all the time are asking me these days about like, Oh, so you're from here, but you went there. What is this? I'm like, if you guys know like what me and everyone are talking about in the in the press box, you want to know what I'm rooting for? Not a four-hour game. No overtime. <laughs> no timeouts. A storyline that develops itself that I can really <laughs> sink my teeth into. That's what I care about. Like, um, I mean, I have a bunch of best friends who are going to be happy if Michigan State wins and a bunch who are going to be happy if Michigan wins. And it's just at the end of the day, I'm so busy doing what we're doing and trying to make deadline, especially on a night game and, and doing all these things. It's just, there's no time for it. By the time you look up and you look back, whatever happened, happened. And then, and then you're on to the next week. And then just things that have, have happened as you get older and become an adult and you really get perspective on what actually matters versus what doesn't matter. They're all, it's all happening now. And, and, and I've worked 
like far too long and far too hard to to get the honor of joining a podcast such as this to to care about Michigan or Michigan State one way or the other and let that affect my career trajectory. But you have you have a unique perspective, Sean. Tell him that Gary Mol the and you may be aware of it, Tony, but the great Gary Moeller quote about this game because Tony can answer it. Yeah, I don't remember the exact quote. I'll paraphrase here a little bit, but the idea was that it. Um, you know, the game you, you enjoy winning the most is Ohio State if you're Michigan, right? But uh, but the most relief you feel is when you beat Michigan State. And if you lose to Michigan State, that's more painful than losing to Ohio State, right? Like, the, in other words, Michigan State, when it gets right down to it, is the game you least want to lose on the schedule. And Moeller said, I'm going to get in trouble with the alumni for saying that because of the sepia tone romance for surrounding, uh, you know, Michigan and Ohio State. But, but yeah, no. Michigan State's the game that secretly matters more than any other for Michigan. It does. It's because you're at the water cooler with the Michigan State fan. You're neighbors with the Michigan State fan. You run into people wearing green and white or blue, amazing blue at the grocery store. There's not, we live in Michigan. Like <laughs> the state is split. I mean, there is a, the state is split pretty 50 50. Now, if you're looking at overall fan bases because of Michigan's East Coast reach and everything, it's no, it's no question which, where, where, um, which has a larger family. Well, we actually did a Michigan. story. Let me, let me stop you there for a second, Carlos. Uh, sorry, Tony. We did a story, I don't know, 10 years ago where we actually looked county by county, we went demographics, and it's, it's 60 40 Michigan. Is it? It, it? Just football fans. It's different with basketball and, and other stuff, but yeah, no, I mean, there are a lot more. Here's, and here's how you think about it, and this is why it's because of Bo Schembechler, basically, but there are a lot more. Fans of Michigan. If you take the people that love college football in the state that didn't go to either school, there's oh, they're overwhelmingly Michigan fans. So I've heard I've heard a term for that. Even though there are more alums, <laughs> there are more Michigan State. Yeah, right. There are more <laughs> Michigan State alums in the state than right. there are Michigan alums because they tend to stay right. Yes. So so that's and that's the breakup. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's changed a little bit with that D'Antonio one. Maybe it's fifty five forty five. Because people love to gravitate towards winners, especially if they don't have uh, affiliation with the school itself, mm -hmm. with either school. So maybe that's changed a little bit. Maybe Carl's could dig into that as the uh, soothsayer that he is. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you said that that last. We we're talking about this recently. You said that Michigan fans or whatever Michigan alums move away; they don't tend to stay in the area as much, whatever you know. But. I, I, I just have always had an outsider's perspective. And like, I think you said with that, with the national, maybe Tony mentioned the national, you know, view of this. Um, and then it's always been, I mean, Michigan is the premier, one of the premier college football programs in the country, you know, let alone the state. And why did it chase Nick Saban away? You know, he was like, I'm not, I'm not competing with this, you know? And, um, mm -hmm. and he was right to do that really um, at that time. So uh, I, I, just anecdotally it just seems like there's probably a few more but it's also flips with basketball there's more michigan state fans you see a lot more of the spartans plant uh flags flying on people's doorsteps during basketball season than you see even now with Jawan. you see you still see a lot more spartans fans especially yeah, at the winter house yeah it's yeah. the and izzo uh well it's split at the windsor house the izzo izzo's the, sort of the schembeckler right he's yeah. had this this 20-year run of of being re relatively um good sometimes really good and it's kind of like the Schimbecka run, right? Those things matter because kids, owned kids grow Breslin up with Center. The, kids grow up with that, right? You know. Yeah, I had I had never seen how drastic the 
the, the fan base differential in basketball was. And I guess this is just one sort of anecdotal evidence. And then I know we want to move back onto the X's and O's of the football, but I was covering Michigan madness the other night where just the preseason hype event and covering, I guess, is a loose term, just <laughs> watching and writing about it. Um, and uh, and the, all the like the, the coaches and the players are being introduced. There's three point shootout dunk contest and all these things. And the last time I had been to one of these things was when I was actually freelancing for for our arrival, the, the other paper in Detroit uh, back in my college days in 2015. And Breslin is sold out. 15,000 people, all the rafters, all the way to the top. Tom Izzo's coming in on like a like a crane, like Mission Impossible or something. And, and, they're, and they're flying around and like the players are like dancing down the stairs, like all around the fans. And and when I went on Friday, there was maybe 1500 people. And uh, I mean, it, it was roped like the, they had the curtains around the top banner. I was like, I know. And Michigan being seven and oh and top five and in, still in the football fervor certainly has something to do with it. Like Michigan State fans, well, this week they might want a football game. They're pretty ready to turn the page to basketball. That's just how it goes when you have a three and four season. But uh, but I was shocked that, that there weren't more people there. I was like, man, do I even need to be here right now? Yeah, they have not built up that institutional, you know, program credibility and i i've said this as as but they've had all the success they have the they have the the last 10 years they're even national title appearances yeah they're even with state the last 10 years in terms of success maybe yeah but you said 20 years of 20 years and it's almost it's it's 25 actually for Izzo. 25 yeah yeah, and as much as you like Jawan howard and whatever and he makes sure he shows up to the football games and glad hands people and all that stuff you know he just he hasn't had that run of success that it takes a long time a long time to have a program really stay consistently excellent you know i mean this 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 is hopefully the beginning of it hopefully the minute the juan's kids leave michigan he doesn't go to the nba you know but but that's this is the beginning of it and it has to continue and tom Izzo is not going anywhere even with the little well, but it's not really to tony's point right i mean beeline but, was there for 12 years okay, where, where's where's the izone that's the thing every every great like program has something like the is zone right the 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 cameron crazies and all this kind of stuff. no but that's what, the what point here is that they've had the, this is what tony's trying to say is that they've had success going on almost 15 years now right tony and uh really a lot of success as much as michigan state it just doesn't it just doesn't stick doesn't yeah. in it's the same way school. for this for this fan yeah it just doesn't stick in the same way psychologically there's pride in it how many sure. how many colleges are football and basketball powerhouses you I, know Michigan is, yeah. Basketball powerhouse. They're, I think they're Michigan. They're, Michigan has gone to five straight Sweet Sixteens. They've gone to two national championships in the last ten years. I mean, powerhouse might be a stretch, but I put Michigan and man, Michigan State is so hard because they've had some a few down years in in basketball here, but they're still considered a blue blood, the fringe blue blood, right. and and blue football blood. and and football. Um, if you go back a full decade, Michigan State is still in the top 10, 15 in the country in, in total wins during that run. So, I mean, the teams I would put on the short list of that are Michigan and Michigan state, possibly Ohio state, uh, a team, maybe like a, I mean, Tennessee's not quite there, but Tennessee tries to be Auburn tries to be Alabama. Obviously they always have the football and they, they put punch up a little bit in basketball. But no, there's there there are a few that are that, that are there are four there are four or five schools that have been to both the college football playoff and the final four in the last decade, right? Well, since the college football playoff and Michigan, Michigan State are two of them. 
Yep. And uh, Oregon's another one. Speaking being, of our being producer. good, being good at something for a while is is great. But b- b- Tony said blue blood. That's what I'm talking about. Like, who is a blue blood in both sports? Nobody. You know? Nobody. Who? Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. It's really there's, hard to do that. Yeah. There's. And nobody. when you're, and it's great. If Michigan's Beeline, probably if the Beeline had stayed there, if Beeline was a little younger, whatever, had stayed there, it 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 might have had the maybe the chance to really be compete with you know the Izone and Breslin. But I mean. You go to Breslin. I mean that that the the two my two the two I think tell me if I'm wrong, but <clears throat> among the two schools in Michigan, whatever, you know, like the two the two venues I think that are really really special in Michigan is the Breslin Center and Yoast Ice Arena. Those two are really really unique, special place. If I told anybody, you know, people always want to see the big house. I just had a friend who was in town and. And he'd never been, you know, he was coming in from Grand Rapids, just going through Michigan. And he's like, I'm going to stop at Michigan Stadium. It's like, you're going to miss it if you blink. So make sure you, you know, the press boxes help now, the luxury boxes and all that. Used to just be able to drive right past it and not even know it was there. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, those two, those two are great. Um, but I, and I love Breslin. I, w- I wish that Chrysler was more like Breslin. I hope, I hope they get to that point and Juwan stays forever. They might. And quickly, Andrew points out, our the producer, your guys' wonderful producer and my wonderful editor, points out that nobody mentioned Florida. I don't put Florida in, in, that, no. in that group at all. I mean, in 05, 06 or 04, 05, whatever the years were where they were going back to back in football and basketball, sure. Florida, I don't think, has been to a college football playoff. And when was the last time they were in a Final Four? I mean, Florida is, is, a, is a brand name. It's like, it's like Texas. It's like USC. It's like what Michigan yeah. was until two years ago in, fo- in football. It's, you're just operating on brand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Speaking of brand, uh, we we probably ought to take a break here so we can sell some stuff, I guess, or do something. I don't know. Anjanette Delgado, the executive producer, one of them, and all these people have lots of uh, important stuff that's over our head that we don't know anything about. We're just the minions here. <laughs> We're just but, talking uh, puppets. That's all. Yeah, and and we don't need to get into the strategy. Look, if you want some strategy on what's going to happen, some X's and O's, as Tony likes to say. Then you're going to read Tony Garcia the rest of this week. And you're going to read Chris Solari, who covers Michigan State for us, because this is not a blue wall, contrary to popular belief. And uh, by the way, we've had Chris and Graham Couch, who covers Michigan State, on this podcast. So, you know, how about that, Carlos? Yeah, we're totally equal opportunity. Yeah, we are. Hey, listen, Tony, uh, thanks for joining us, man. It's been a blast. We'll uh, we'll get you back in here soon, because uh, I think I think you're right. I think Michigan's going to roll. Uh, it may take them a minute. I think it'll be sneaky competitive a little bit more because state's got a couple of guys back that make an enormous difference defensively in particular, their receiver, their best offensive player is finally healthy for the first time this year. And I showed against Wisconsin, Jaden Reed. So we will see. And, uh, and, uh, I, I think they'll lose by a few touchdowns two two and a half, three touchdowns, but we'll see. Give me your quick, uh, prediction if you can. Yeah, man, I, uh... I wonder if I'm allowed to make one prediction here, and then as the week, uh, of course you are. Uh, oh, this is the Daybreakette playbook. Yes, you can oh, make of course four or five predictions. You're yes. actually uh-huh. a human being. That's all right. You can change your mind. Okay, great. I love that. I love <laughs> that freedom. Um, yeah. So no, I think who you alluded to, Jacob Slade, coming back on the defensive line for Michigan State, and is a big Xavier Henderson. Xavier Henderson's huge. Yep. yep. In the, in the secondary. Um, I mean, you like. I only get to, now. I see what it's like when you cover one team. How little of everything else you get to see. Um, but they did have the game on in, in the press box as we're, as we're furiously writing away after the game. So looking up and they, they seemed to look a lot better. I think they'd only given up 14 points uh, until there were three minutes left. And then it ends up looking like they gave up 28 with a late touchdown and then overtime. But the defense, I mean, 
Uh, they gave up fewer than 200 passing yards. Like you can normally write them up for 350. So maybe yeah, there were no, some schematic changes. They did. They did change schematically, and we don't need to break this out because we're trying to get to a break here real quickly. But that's the thing about this game, right? Is it's it's a but they stayed at a bye week. They got a couple of they got two of their most important defensive players back, which freed up some other guys. It doesn't mean they're a good defensive team. It just means maybe they're not historically bad now. A little bit like what we saw with the Lions, right? Um, and in Dallas on Sunday. So, yeah, I, I don't expect them to win. I assume you don't either. You're going to get to that. No, yes, I will. The, I think Michigan State can't overcome its offensive line. Um, the the defense, Michigan's defense, is too much, and uh, that's just where the the, the difference is going to be won. They won't they won't get pushed in the run game. Won't have enough time for Thorne. I'd say 37-16. We'll go sixteen. Yeah, uh, yeah, sixteen. That's what I'm at right now. What's this, what does Carlos say? I'm going to say Michigan 45 to 17. That may well be true, too. I mean, Sean, did a, you give a number? It's been a while since we've seen that. I'm going to say 29-23. Uh, oh, now that would have, but, that would have people but, sweating. I, How? I, think, I, well, I, get, I, I think they're going to make them sweat for a minute. I, I I don't know why. I don't. I just I just do. I just I think the the getting Jacob Slade back frees up uh, Simeon Barrow, who looked great against Wisconsin. And those two guys are some serious tackles, right? And we haven't seen that all year. And Sean loves interior. He loves line play offense. Well, it changes when, when, you have that, it. when you have tackles, and that's against Michigan strength, the run, when you have two really good tackles, none of that, it changes the, the way the pocket – it makes it so much harder. Any quarterback will tell you that, right? They'd much rather have the edge or the rush come from the outside than the interior. Yep. Because yep. there's nowhere to go. And you did see that last week, finally, when when uh, Michigan State was getting some pressure off the edges and Mertz would try to step up that pressure, as you're talking about, from, from like when the pocket you're trying to step up in, into is collapsing on you. And, there, and there's no way to turn. It, it, you it start changed, circling around yeah. and you drop. It changed everything. How about 32-23? Are you already checked? That, 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 that was the score of the of one of the games. 2016? Yeah, it, 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 but it could be maybe State gets a late touchdown, so it's 32-16 or whatever. I don't know. It's, yeah. it, I, I think it'll be it, – it, it'll never feel like State's going to win, you know, mm-hmm. but they might hang around in a way that might surprise you for a minute. feels like I one of those see, kind of games. I can see that. But uh, all right. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. So, yeah, no, great to have you, Tony. Come, uh, come back and join us soon if you can put up with this. I will. All right. All right, we'll be right back with uh, more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, I know we said at the top of the show that we were going to get into this uh, idea of credentialed media versus non-credentialed media and who offers more insight, and is it fair for non-credentialed media to to have podcasts? Not fair, but all of that. There was a sort of a, a blow-up. That Let's save that for another show. Because we didn't it, promise anything. You promised the, the it, listener it, that. It is interesting. And, it, you know, Draymond Green, your favorite guy, loves to talk about this idea of new media, old media, whatever. And I, and I would love to dig into that. And maybe we can even get somebody in here to talk about that at some point. Because it's interesting about how the information gets out there and where sports fans want stuff and yeah. who has not a right to talk about what, but 
how authentic or real or whatever. I mean, it's 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 interesting stuff because the landscape has changed, but that's another podcast and we need more time. That's a that. great topic. Yeah, we should get into that. Yeah, that's that's my fault for uh, thinking that uh, when we had the, the great Tony Garcia that we were going to be able to get to that. But we've run out of time. We need to get to my favorite thing. And I, I'm going to guess what yours is, but I don't want to tell the listeners what that is. So you go ahead and tell us your favorite thing. Oh, you guessed right. Um, yeah, it was it was it was taking a trip to seeing my daughter down in Indiana. She just started You're a good college. father. What? Yeah, yeah. You're my a good wife father. and I, my wife and I went and uh, and were able to spend the weekend. First time we've seen her since she started school. And what was really cool about it, beyond it was, I mean, the weather was fantastic, just like it was here in Michigan. Uh, you know, and anybody who's been to Indiana in Bloomington, it's beautiful, beautiful campus. It was great. But the interesting thing about it was um, that she is just beginning the, you know, her, her, I don't want to say like professional life, but kind of like her adult life of, you know, functioning without her parents and seeing the world a little bit through a different lens. And um, the, the funny thing is a couple of people have, not a couple of people, one professor, for some reason, I think his wife is from Dearborn. And he's a law professor and she, he knew who I was. He, you know, he, he knew my name and he's read my stuff or whatever. And, you know, when you're a kid, your parents are always just your parents. It doesn't matter if your mom or dad's the king or queen of the world, they're just your mom or dad. But then having that kind of a little bit outside perspective of, oh, you know, your parents are also these other people too. They have the other identities, professional identities. So while we were going out to dinner a few times and, and all that and enjoying that time, you know, we noticed that she was asking more questions about us uh, in our professional lives. And, and uh, she's always asked, she's always been very inquisitive about things, but I think there was just a little, notice a little difference in that in her. Um, and they took a trip to Washington DC recently with one of her classes. So she's just becoming a little bit more aware of things um, from a different perspective about, our family, my wife and I, um, uh, my wife and me, and, you know, just the world as it's functioning as she's beginning her college career and slightly getting into that professional realm of internships and, and so forth. So um, it was really, it was really cool to spend that time with her, but to see that perspective of, of your, your kid starting to grow up a little bit. Yeah, away from uh, away from you as it should be, right? I don't mean you personally. I just mean from us, away from us, right? Like you can't get away, can't wait to get away from me. Yeah, just like everybody else. Yes. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. From us, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm not that. Uh, I'm not that. I'm not that cold hearted. You. You aren't either. You play one on TV, but you're. Uh, but you're not that way either. Uh, my favorite thing is listening to you um, talk about uh, the trip. As I now, no, I'm kidding. Now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um. As you know, I went to Texas to cover the Lions, and I was a little bit fortunate because I have, well, I went to high school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I went to college in Austin for a while, and I um, would live as a little boy in San Antonio, which is about an hour and a half, a little, a little less, south of Austin. So I have a lot of roots in that area. My dad was a Texan, and my uh, best childhood buddy, who actually don't want to go down this rabbit hole of my military life, but my, my closest childhood buddy I've known since we were 11 or so. And, um, he lives in Austin. He moved, my mother actually moved him down there. We met in the Midwest. That's another story. But in any case, whenever I go to Dallas or anywhere near there, I go to Austin and see him if I can, if it works out. And it was fortunate to me that when I looked at the cost of the tickets to go to Dallas a month ago or so, 
they were like 1200 bucks. And I'm like, what is going on in Dallas that it's because it's usually a three, $400 ticket. Right. Well, when you fly first class, yeah, we have a colleague who saw that price and bought it anyway. And I'm like, well, you're, you, you're, you, you're worth that kind of cost. Right. I can't, we know who we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but no, but that's, that's real. And I know airfare inflation, everything, airline prices are just more expensive in general. You probably saw that a little bit when you went to Boston, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy, but 1200 bucks. Right. So I thought, Oh, all right, let's see what it is to Austin. Well, for whatever reason, it was half. And, um, I thought, okay, well, if it's half, then I can go a day early and, uh, drive and still come out on top and save the money, some, save the company some money and go, you know, because if I go see my bud then it's, uh, you know, they're going to feed me all that. That's just how it works anyway. So that's a long way of saying that it was a happy accident that the, the prices of everything more than justified the way I was able to do the trip and you, you know, the company's happy and I'm happy. So I end up Friday night at this amazing little place outside cooking over a kettle and some post oak fire with my buddy and some other people. And we're just sitting there having a couple of beers, which is a lot for me. That's probably like 10 for you. And, uh, you know, grilling, talking, reminiscing. And, um, yeah, that, that was, it was pretty awesome. The next day it didn't feel so good. I'm such a lightweight that three, three beers. Okay. Maybe I had four. It was Make the two sure. racks of ribs that you ate. That's what. No, it was. we didn't. No, no, no. We didn't mess with anything like that. It was. It was. Yeah. No, we cooked over the fire, like literally over fire. So it's more quick stuff. A little bit on the on the planches too. But anyway, I don't want to bore you with what we planches. Oh my god. But uh, just cast iron are awesome. But um, <laughs> the next day, feel I felt like oh my god, I haven't felt like this since I was younger and hung over, and I had to drive from Austin to Dallas which isn't that bad a drive. It's only about three. depends on where you're going from where to where. Three, three and a half and a lot of traffic. But I'm like, yeah, this is this was fine when I was 30. But uh, it's getting harder and harder to do. But I got through it and got to the, got to the hotel in Dallas and, and got ready to work. And so anyway, yeah, just cooking over the fire, seeing people that uh, I've known all my life, people that knew my parents. You know, I mean, that's the thing, Carlos, uh, you know, when you get older and my, both my parents have been, my mom's been gone for a while. My dad's been gone since I was young, but the idea that you, when you get older, you, there are fewer people you're around that know people from your past and your parents are huge ones. Right. So these days when I hang around somebody that actually knew my father, I mean, who's been gone for 30 years, right. That's, that's, um, that's kind of cool to be, to be honest with you. And it's worth the drive. Right. It's worth making that three and hour drive because I was in the press box at Cowboys Stadium and talking to some other people who were complaining about the cost to get to Dallas this trip for whatever reason. And I said, well, you could have gone to Austin. I'm like, no, I'll make four. I'll drive 45 minutes. That's it. I'm not making a three hour <laughs> drive just to save the company some money. Yeah, let's this, let's not, let's not make our sure. not our this wasn't our guy. This was other people. Let's make sure that, you know. Co-producer Kirkland Crawford and uh, sports editor does not get into his mind that I'm going to fly into San Jose to go cover something in LA. That's yeah, not no, happening. I know it's not. It's not a great precedent, and and the reason I was happy to do it was uh, because of that, right? I mean, and yeah. like if it, like if it had been Houston, well, that's a longer drive too. Uh, that's a, a four-hour drive, and even that extra hour—that's right. That three is just on the outside of too far. I love, by the way, I love how you're pretending to be so magnanimous and helping the country. No, the, not the at company. all. I'm just you were going to find Austin no matter what. No, I wouldn't. It was more because, expensive. No, because there are times I haven't, I haven't been able to do it because the, it was reverse. It was much more money to go into Austin. 
So there have been times I've just gone to Dallas. It's just, I just was grateful that it worked out this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, that was, uh, that was it, my man. Cooking over the fire, seeing people that go back, uh, Sean, go back to your roots. Sean, in all his glory, I was thinking about you, buddy, the whole time. I knew you were going to love it in Dallas or Texas, that area. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, you, plus, yeah, you, you got roots there. It's uh, in Texas is, yeah, Austin's great, as you know, I assume. Yeah, we have to wrap this up because Gary, Kerry Jr., we, we made him angry last year, last week, and uh, he's going to, he's already cut this in half already. So we got to. Oh, no, you're right. No, he didn't want me to pound on the table. And he said we need to get out of here. All right. So uh, let's thank Anjanette Delgado and Kirkland Crawford, our co executive producers. <laughs> he was like the mean substitute let's, teacher. Yeah, yeah. Let's thank Andrew Hammond, our producer. And yes, he's wearing an Oregon Ducks cap, not a Milwaukee Bucks cap. He's the one that really makes this possible. Let's thank Peter Bhatti, the executive editor. Let's thank you for listening. And I'll remind you that you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all these sorts of uh, lovely, wonderful uh, boutique kind of places, if we're being honest. And um, once you get there, rate us, subscribe, tell us what you think. And uh, most importantly, join us next week when we will be back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. They talk the whole day long. They think they know